Hi and welcome. We're so excited that you chose to join us today. And we hope that this message will inspire you to live the life that God designed you to live. For this message or others like it, you can go to our website or you can find us on our YouTube channel. Now sit back, relax, enjoy this message. something really fast. Um, I was actually reading in Romans this week, and I was reading about, it was talking about how amazing God was, and how everything that has been created, God is in. His fingerprints are on everything. And, and it was talking about how, like, Paul was talking about humanity, and how humanity, it's without excuse. You can't even convince someone that God's not real, because he's in everything. He's in everything. And um, Paul was talking about how there was humanity was kind of wicked, and they entertained their vain thoughts. They entertained their vain thinking, and so they started to believe that God wasn't real and that God wasn't, couldn't work in their circumstance. And I was just thinking about that and how they, because they entertained these vain thoughts, God couldn't do anything for them. God couldn't work for them. And I was just thinking about even today that that if we that God is so working in your circumstance. God is so working for you. God is so he's so available to fix things in your life. But if you entertain vain thinking, what can he do for you? He can't even do anything for you. Yeah. Thank you, God. Thank you. I'll just let you guys get your bread and So then as we take um, the bread today, um, I just want you to remember just what he did for you. And it's in the remembrance that he can work in your situation. It's when you remember what he can do for you. It's like when we entertain like, oh, I don't, I don't know what he can do for me. If you, if you start to believe that God can't work in your circumstance, then he can't. But actually, when you start to be like, oh, wait, so he died on the cross for me. Then what's available to me? Well, everything. What's available to God? That's what's available to you. Now you gave him free access to do, to work in your circumstance, to work in your problems. So as we remember what he did for us, let's take the bread. 
let's drink together too. Father God, I thank you right now for every single person here, God. I thank you, God, that this is a new day. This is a new day. Thank you, God, that there's been so many words that says there's a new day. God, that there's a new day for every single person here, God. That they're not going to be living in the past. They're not going to be living in bondage, God. But, God, that they're stepping into something new, God. God, let them step into something new. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, and that we will never forget what you did for us, God. We will never forget what you did for us, God. We're so thankful. Thank you for what you did for us. Thank you for what you did for us, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Right now, we're going to have Garrett and Christy come up because they're leaving on a mission trip um, Friday. So we're going to pray for them. I just want people to come gather around some of the leaders. Thank you, Lord, for this, uh, these two people, Lord, that have decided, Lord, to go to another nation, the nation of Honduras, and spread the gospel, Lord. And we, Lord, we just release them into this, this mission, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus. We pray for a supernatural impartation to take place even right now, Lord. And as their feet step on that foreign land, Lord, we just pray, God, that a mighty, a mighty move of your spirit would sweep through that nation, Lord. Hallelujah. You said that wherever you put the soles of our feet, you would you have given us that place. And Lord, as they put their feet there, Lord, that you would give them that place, Lord. Give them souls for your kingdom. We pray, Lord, that uh, there would be an opening up of the supernatural, Lord, that signs and wonders and miracles would follow the preaching of your word. We just thank you, Lord, for souls and people set free in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We see crippled people walking. We see blind eyes opening. We see the we see people that have lost their way be, be reconnected, Lord, with your purposes. God, we just pray over them right now. We just thank you for divine safety. We just thank you for divine safety and for wisdom, Lord, that you give them tremendous wisdom. Hallelujah. We thank you, God, right now. We release them and send them forth in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for it now. Amen. Amen. Well, we're so happy that you guys are here today. Man, it's good to be in church, right? If you want to greet each other and just say, hey. <laughs> Good. I mean, excited to be here this morning. Oh, I like that. Um, I just want to mention one, one thing. Um, uh, we're, we're having a Good Friday service here, um, right here at the church. We're not doing our traditional fish fry uh, and play. We're just doing a service here starting at 630. So it's uh, primarily a worship. We're going to be talking a little about Good Friday, taking communion. So that'll be Friday. Starts at 6.30, Good Friday. And then, um, of course, we'll be here on Sunday morning at the church. Amen? If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them, please, to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. And um, I titled this message, Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. And uh, I was going to title it, The Beast in Me Must Die. But I thought that wasn't as seeker-friendly as it should be. So I thought I'd better put the word beauty next to it. So that sounds a little bit uh, gentler and, and, uh, and softer to, to apprehend. You know, Beauty and the Beast is like a, it's a fairy tale. Years ago, I heard a guy say that we shouldn't teach our kids fairy tales because then when they hear Bible stories, they'll think it's a fairy tale. But then I heard another guy say that's actually not true because hidden in fairy tales 
is the gospel message. And he said, if you examine every one of them, you'll see that there is a, a picture of the gospel in fairy tales. And, uh, and that's true with Beauty and the Beast. I mean, I'm not an expert on the story, but I do know that one thing that does happen is that there is a transformation that takes place in the, in the life of the beast. And uh, he, he's transformed into that which he was supposed to be. And, um, and cer certainly, transformation is at the heart of the gospel. You know, we're coming to the Easter season, and one of the things that we do in the Easter season is that we, you know, celebrate the, the death and resurrection of Christ, which is really very powerful. When I was first a Christian, my whole concept of Christianity was that I was a sinner and I was saved because of what Jesus did for me. And that was my concept of, of what it was to be a Christian and what Jesus did, and that now I'm going to heaven. Praise God. But as I grew and, and studied scripture, I, I discovered that the death and resurrection of Christ is that, is for the forgiveness of sins, but it's more than that. There's more involved in it, and, and the impact and the effect that it's supposed to have upon our life is greater than just those things, which I'm not putting those things down, but it's just greater. And we need to look at it closely, and that's what I want to do today. But I want to talk to you about how, how important it is to understand that something supernatural has to happen to us when we become a Christian. It does happen to us, but we need to realize it and grow in our appreciation of it. You know, our society is in a bad way. I mean, there are a lot of good things that are happening, but there's some really serious trends in our society that are bad. And uh, I was just listening on the, on the YouTube to two, uh, two college professors. One was more of a traditional type guy. I don't think he was a Christian. And the other one was more what we'd call the new thought or whatever. And, um, and this other one was an atheist. And they were arguing and debating back and forth about, you know, what's happening in society and how society is actually changing. This, this was taking place in England. Uh, this debate was taking place. And so what was interesting is that the one college professor was a lady. She was excited because she had just read in the newspaper that England now has crossed a point where there's more people in England that don't believe in God than that do believe in God. And so they've passed the 50% range where, you know, they were getting close to that all along, where years ago you'd say that maybe 90% believed in God, and now it's down to 50% or below 50% actually believe in God. So actually they're losing ground. And I think you'd probably say that in America too, that in some ways we've lost ground. And, and one of the things it has changed is years ago, it was just people that didn't believe in God. They're called atheists and they didn't believe in God. And they were just like offended, you know, that, you know, like in school or something, you brought God into school. And so there's separation of church and state. And so they'd kind of be offended by, by the idea of God or the, or someone who talk about God. And, but now it's changed even from that. And this lady was expressing it is that she said that not only should we not believe in God, but that God in religion is the reason for all the ills in society throughout history. That every ill there is in society, this is, what she was, this is her point, that all the ills, all the ills, all the problems in society come from God and religion, established religion. And of course, if you look throughout history, you can see that religion and God or I would just say religion, has caused a lot of problems. There have been major wars fought over religion. And there's major dysfunctions. I mean, I don't want to go through a whole history lesson, but there are major dysfunctions that were done in the name of religion. And so there, there actually is a, a huge problem. But not that, not that people that are anti or atheist can, can brag about their record either. Amen. There's a lot of people that, that are atheists in countries that are atheists that have terrible track records. Communism is, for example, is an atheistic concept. But the thing that troubled me the most was that this lady, she said that now that we have passed that demarcation point where there's more atheists than believers in God in our country, we are free now. This is what she said. We are free now to create a utopian society here upon the earth. 
because we're freeing ourselves from the oppressive bondage of religion and God. And what I see in that is here's, here's a problem that we as Christians are, are mandated to, to make a difference in this situation. And, not to, and, and we have to do it wisely. And we've got to do it because the Bible says, he that winneth souls is wise. We have to do it in such a way that we can capture and change a society. Our model here at the church, our mission statement is uh, equipping people who build the church, change society, and fulfill destiny. Those, that's our motto, change society. And society, if you go to, especially, I mean, you can see it, you can see it everywhere. In academia, you can see it in Hollywood, in our movies. You can see this, uh, this subtle deterioration or attack on Christianity and, and religion or God, however you want to term, put the term, but there's this subtle attack. And there's this, if you see a Christian portrayed in a movie, he's usually a dummy or he's usually some hypocrite. It's never somebody in a positive way. But the truth is, now listen to this, this is the truth, that Christianity, true Christianity, has brought more good to society than any other thing. That's the truth. Religion has, has done damage, but Christianity... You know, when people talk about slavery, they say that slavery is the national sin. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's the most disgraceful thing America has ever done. And they, they talk about it like we invented slavery. How many know that slavery's been around since the very beginning of time? I mean, since the beginning of time, when you track history, there's been slavery. And it's not been white people enslaving black people, but it's been slavery across the races, across every ethnicity, Every group of people, somebody has enslaved somebody else. And so it wasn't something that we invented. The difference with America is that we actually fought a war to end slavery. But what most people don't realize is the idea to outlaw slavery came from the Quakers. I don't know if most people realize that, but it's absolutely true. John Fox, or is it George Fox or John Fox? Fox is his last name. He was started the Quaker movement. Quakers got their name because they would actually wait upon God. And then when the power of God would come, they would begin to shake under the power. And that's how they got their name. They called themselves Friends Society. Friends Society. But, the, but they were people that believed in the power of God, the manifestation of the power of God. And so John Fox got this revelation that he received from God. And it was so radical in his day that he spent most of his ministry time in prison because they would get so mad at him, they would throw him in prison because of his beliefs. You know what one of his radical beliefs was? That all men were created equal. That's one of his radical beliefs that he was in prison for. In fact, his followers started one colony in America. It was Pennsylvania. And all of our official Founding documents were founded, were signed in the colony of Pennsylvania. Because, and, and many of his radical beliefs, George Fox's radical beliefs, many of them are in our Constitution and in our Bill, are in our Declaration of Independence. And so that's why I say this that these beliefs that we have, that most of the world accepts and adopts now as normal came from a guy that said he received it by revelation of God. And he paid an awesome price. He paid an awesome price for promoting those beliefs. And if you study it out, it's, it's, it's very fascinating. But what I'm trying to say is that true Christianity has brought nothing but good to society. But religion, on the other hand, has not always brought good to a society. Religion oftentimes is oppressive. And a lot of times what we do is we try to get people to change before they get converted. We try to get to impose certain beliefs or certain standards on them before they get converted. They need to get converted first. But one thing that has to happen to Christians is, now listen to this, the beast in us must die. Thank you for your enthusiasm. You see, here's the deal. Christianity, without the crucifixion of the beast in us, becomes, it, it's more like this, it's like putting lipstick on a pig. It is. 
Because there has to be a transformation that takes place. And Christians, we have to learn to live by the power of an endless life, not by just behavior modification. When any time the gospel is explained by Paul, it always, Paul always uses the word power, demonstration of the spirit. He always talks about with the gospel comes power, comes transforming power radi that radically alters people's lives and transforms them. It's not just trying to clean up the outside and just put lipstick on a pig. That's not what Christianity is. It's actually transformation. And the Bible says this in Romans chapter 2. And I didn't stay with my notes. Now I'm lost here. But No, I'm not lost. I'm, I'm right tracking right. But uh, the Bible says here, let me get to it real quickly here. In, in Romans chapter 2, look at the verse. Verse 24, it says, Paul is talking really to the, to the Jews. He says, for just... As it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. So what's happening is, and that's what we see in our culture today, is we see that people think God and religion is the problem. And they blaspheme the name of God because of, a, of people that say, I'm a Christian, but they do not have a crucified, they've never crucified the beast. When I say the beast, you understand what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the nature that is hateful, that is unloving, unkind, ungrateful, inconsiderate, self-absorbed, stingy, proud, rebellious, and judgmental. That's the beast. And that nature is basically, we are all affected by it, even though when we become a Christian, we're going to find out that that beast is killed. But all of us are affected by it. And that we have to learn to do something about it. We can't, just, we can't just let the beast live. Amen? And so I make this distinction between in Christianity between that which is even orthodox and that which is spiritual. That which is uh, according to religious standards and that which is something that is uh, lived uh, with the life of God in it. There's a difference between the two. The Bible talks about the difference between information and revelation. It talks about the difference between eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and eating from the tree of life. It's the knowledge of good and evil. And so it's not good enough just to be religious. You see, here's the thing about the devil. The devil is very religious. Most people don't realize that. We just think about the devil as being bad. Well, the devil's bad. He's in honky-tonks and bars and whatever. But no, no, the devil is very religious. And the devil can quote scripture. The devil is very religious and the devil can quote scripture. The devil goes to church every Sunday. Amen. You know, it's interesting in Luke chapter 4 where Jesus in the temptation in the wilderness, the, the last temptation, the devil brought him to Jerusalem and stood him on the highest point of the temple and said to him that if you are the son of God, Throw yourself down. Now listen to this. For it is written. This is the devil talking. It is written. He's quoting scripture. The devil is quoting one of my favorite passages. It's Psalms 91. It's a great passage. But here's what the devil says. He will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And with their hands they will lift you up. Lest you strike your foot against a stone. And so basically the temptation Satan used scripture in the temptation. And here's what's interesting. Jesus didn't say back to him, it is written. Jesus said back to him, it is said. It is said. You shall not tempt the Lord thy God. It is said. See, what Jesus didn't just go to the written scripture. He said, God is saying something right now in this situation. It's based on scripture. It's based on scripture. He didn't just, you know, start with Socrates or Plato. He, he went back to the scriptures, but he says, this is what God is saying right now in this situation. You shall not tempt the Lord thy God. And so there's a difference between, between people that just learn scripture, even though I believe in learning scripture, I believe in memorizing scripture, but I don't believe in just being a person that has data in scripture data, in scripture information, there is a difference between the letter and the spirit. 
The Bible says the letter kills. He's talking about the letter of the word, the written scriptures. If you use it wrong, it kills people. It frustrates people. It makes them angry. It makes them mad. And it doesn't win them. It says he that wins his souls is wise. But we need to learn how to apply scripture, especially in the day and the age that we live. But first of all, we've got to learn, I'm getting away from my sermon here, we've got to learn to kill the beast in us. Amen, preach Steve, I believe I will. So, we've got to be the type of people that really learn to walk. Walk, I don't know why my throat keeps hiccuping. Walk, walk, maybe I'm getting, the jerk. Maybe I'm getting to be a Quaker. Walk in the spirit. So here's what it is. Listen, listen to this. This is going to really excite you. This is, you're going to be so excited after I make this statement. You won't want to be able to contain yourself. Christianity is a call to an execution. Christianity is the call to an execution. Somebody goes, yeah, Jesus died. Yeah, but you are going to too. I mean, if this thing all works out right, guess what? Not only does Jesus die, but you're going to die. If this thing works out right. Amen? You see, here's the thing is, that, you know, there's a, what they call a paradox principle. And it's found in Scripture, and it's definitely found in the Gospel. And it's found in the truth of the message of the Gospel. And the paradox principle is basically this. If you lose, you win. If you surrender... You're victorious. If you die, you'll be alive. Right? If you fail, you succeed. Now, I'm not just talking about failing in life, but I'm just saying when it comes to the struggle between my will versus God's will, when I, when I surrender, I win. When I surrender, I win. And so why is there a need for this execution? Because... We need to kill the beast that's in us. That's really a... You know, the Bible says here in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 19, it says the works of the flesh. Because there's long lists in the Bible of the characteristics of the uncrucified beast. And don't look at me like you're, I don't, you don't know what I'm talking about. I know you know what I'm talking about. If you, you can look holy, but I can ask your mate and I'll find out that you're not that... Right? You know, I mean, I, one time I was talking to this couple, and, and the guy was saying all these things, flowery things about his life, and she had stepped back a little bit, and she's going like this. <laughs> Ain't none of it true. Right? And that's what bugs me a lot of times when I'm around people. I'm always suspicious of really hyper-religious people. When they're always hyper-religious, I get nervous. Because I'm thinking, listen, life is not all that, all that way. There's different dimensions to a life. And what God wants you to do is, is invade every dimension of your life. That means if you go, well, I never, you know, one time I heard this guy, he preached on not watching TV. I mean, he was brutal, going to movies. He was talking about, you know, some of you go to these movies, and there'll be two people that are not married kissing. Well, duh. You know, it's kind of funny, my grandmother, <laughs> my grandmother, she, she was, she started watching, she never watched TV until she got old, and then she started watching TV, well, she would see two people kiss. You would never convince her that they weren't married. I'd say, Grandma, they're not married. Oh, no, 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 they're married. I said, Mom, Grandma, they're actors, they're just acting apart. Oh, no, she, she would never believe for a minute they weren't married. I go, because it was her favorite program, and she just knew they were married. I said, Grandma, they're not married. She'd get madder than a, get out of my house. You know, that, that, not quite that mad, but pretty close. And so those type of things don't crucify the beast. All you're doing is you're putting lipstick on it. You're dressing it up. You ever see these people that dress up their animals like people? We had a guy, we had a person one time staying at our house and they had a dog, which I don't like dogs. I don't like any animals in our house. I mean, it, houses are for people. 
I don't. I know you all. Every probably every person in this room has an animal in their house, and I don't care. I'm not talking about your husband either. <laughs> and and I don't care if you have an animal in your house, but I don't want an animal in my house. That's just the way I am. Okay, I, houses are for people, and so they came and they say, "Could you have your animal in our house?" I'm like, "Oh, golly." And I said, "Well, he you, if he goes to the bathroom in the house, he's going to be crucified. I'm going to crucify this animal." So it's kind of in the fall or is it kind of a colder time of the year. And so, you know, you know, I kind of told them that I didn't appreciate it if they if the bathroom and whatever happened in the house, you know, with the dog. And I, so they were pretty conscious. But every single time they brought the dog outside, they put booties on him. I'm looking at him going, what is wrong with you? And they put a little sweatshirt on him. I, they didn't put a hat on him, but a little sweatshirt on him. And I'm going, golly, Really? I think about that sometimes. That's how we do. When we don't kill the beast, we just put little booties on him. Put little, he comes to church with a little Bible. And, and I'm going, uh, we need to kill that beast. We don't need to dress it up. I'm preaching pretty good here. So Galatians 5, it says, now the works of the flesh. Or we could say the works of the beast. Have you ever noticed how the, the Bible uses animal names? Very often. It says, like John the Baptist says, woe unto you, vipers. How would you like to go to one of those services? Talk about not being seeker friendly. Comes in, woe unto you, vipers. One time Jesus said, don't cast your pearl before swine. He says, you, he called them dogs and pigs and snakes. And it's like, what, what's going on here? And even Paul said, beware of dogs. You know, it's like, that's where we get the sign, beware of dogs. That's where we get it from. He said, beware of dogs. He didn't like dogs in his house either. <laughs> right? You know, it's funny one time, you probably heard me say this. I'll get back to the sermon here in a minute. But, but my mother-in-law and I, we used to have warm debates about things. And she, and she loved picnics, especially on Sunday afternoon. She loved picnics. And she would always, and, and so I said, well, I don't like to eat outside because there's flies and there's ants and there's all kinds of things. I mean, I like being outside. I love outside. I just don't like to eat outside. Because flies, you know, I mean, I've been on, one time I was on a mission trip and they served us food. And I looked at that meal or that food that was sitting, it was outside. And you couldn't even see the food. There were so many big black flies sitting on it. I'm sitting there going, and they, and they go like this. I'm going, God, God. Are you kidding? <laughs> then they go, here, have some. I'm going, I wanted to go like this. You know, like, I'm done, you know. But I just don't like to eat outside. I know some of you are thinking, boy, you need to get saved. But I don't like to eat. And that's what my, that's what my mother-in-law used to say. You, you need to get saved. So finally one day we were talking about this. And I see some of you are mad at me because I don't like to eat outside. But, but, but I, was, I was talking. And all of a sudden this verse came to my mouth, mind. Where Paul said, have you not houses to eat and drink in? <laughs> and I looked at my mother-in-law and said, I just got, God just gave me a, a verse. God just said something. Not it is written, but he said something. He said, have you not houses to eat and drink in? And that's thunder for a moment. And then she goes, you keep talking like that. No one's going to listen to you. So he says here that the works of the flesh, or we could say it like this, the works of the beast. In other words, when we know the beast is still alive, here's how we know the beast is still alive. Our obvious sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousies, outbursts of anger, selfish rivalries, dissensions, factions, and, oh, you got it. You got the picture, right? He says, I am warning you as I've warned you before, those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He says, in other words, if you don't kill that beast, that beast will always take you to the wrong place. You've got to kill the beast. Amen. You've got to kill the beast. Otherwise, the Bible is going to use animal names when they describe you. That's why, you know, nowadays they call, they use animal names, you know, like the word dog. I don't know if they use it everywhere, but they go, what's up, dog? You ever heard that? There's a funny story. 
about this sitcom that I've watched a few times where the guy goes, uh, he goes, uh, smells like updog in here. Have you ever heard that one? And then the other guy goes, what's up, dog? He goes, I don't know, what's up with you? <laughs> but one of the, I think one of the reasons why we call, I think one of the reasons why we call each other, hey, what's up, dog, is because we have the morals of a dog. You know, I used to think that, I used to think that deer were very, you know, uh, what do you, how you call it, real gentle, uh, docile type animals. You know, this winter was such a tough one. I, I see all these deer out there. The snow is so deep, I started feeling sorry for them. So just two or three times, I think it was just twice, I bought some corn from a farmer in the area, Jer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think all told it cost me 40 bucks. But So I put it out there, or he put it out there, for the deer, and so I got to watch the deer. It's kind of cool watching the deer because we had one time 28 deer in our yard. Yeah, they were hungry. But I always think, you know, he had deer, it's just sweet little things, you know. Bah. You know, bah. You know, hey, come on over. Man, these deer are mean. They got that beast nature. I saw one, I saw one time two does. I think they were does. Of course, they don't have any horns now, but two deer on their back legs. They looked like kangaroos, and they were wailing on each other, wham, 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 with their front paws, until <laughs> finally one of them nailed the other one right on top of the head, and that one, that did it. Boy, that guy got out of there, but. But you can see when the beast nature is, out, is working because people have these characteristics. Amen. And he says, those who continue to practice these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And so the Bible uses these names. Jesus, when he called people dogs and hogs and vipers, he wasn't doing it because it wasn't like a schoolyard kid who was there saying, you know, poopy pants. He wasn't doing that. What he's doing is he's describing the nature that's coming through their lives. And he was saying this to highly religious people, highly religious people. These were people that knew scripture. They were highly religious, very devoted. They would only walk so far on the Sabbath. They were very devoted people. But he says, you're a bunch of hogs, dogs, and snakes. What is he saying? The beast in you hasn't died. The beast in you has not died. You know, Jesus, when he talked about new wine, he said new wine needs to be put into new wineskins. A wineskin is the hide of a dead animal. And that's what God wants is he wants you to become a dead. He wants the dead, the beast nature in you to die. And he is going to fill that beast nature with new wine. But as long as the beast nature is alive in well in you, he, God can't fill it. There has to be a work of the spirit that is done in our nature. Amen. Because legally, we'll find out that we're, we have already died. And our life is already hidden in God and Christ. Now, the other side of it is the working out of that. The working out of that. There's nothing worse than somebody whose beast nature is still alive, quoting scripture, to justify their beast activities. So, yeah, amen, I'm preaching good right now. So how do you kill a beast? Well, first thing is the way you don't kill the beast is you don't get involved in self-hatred, self-punishment, you know, berating yourself, self-condemnation, severe treatment of the body, and accelerated religious activity. That's not how you kill the beast. You know, I saw this years ago where in the, in the Philippines where these people, they were of a certain religious persuasion, Christian, and they would, they would during, at this time of the year, during uh, Good Friday and, and Easter, is they would actually walk through the streets and they would whip themselves. They would take whips and they would whip themselves. Sometimes they would do it to such an extent that they would actually physically die. And what they're trying to do is they're trying, with some work of the flesh, some natural thing to kill the beast because they want their, their life to change. That's not how you do it. That's not how you do it. The first thing in killing 
the beast is to have a revelation of the cross. See, the cross isn't only the place where Jesus died for my sins. The cross is the place where, of my execution. That means I've, if I understand this right and if I appropriate this right, I'll find out that I'm dead to things. I have died to things. So that means like years ago when I was a young Christian, you know, I used to smoke cigarettes. I started smoking cigarettes when I was nine years old. You say, how does a nine-year-old smoke cigarettes? Well, you go steal them. We used to have cigarette machines everywhere. You could, go, you could go find one where nobody was watching. You could buy them there. Or you could go into the department stores, and right before people walk in, they'd somebody take a couple puffs, and they'd stick them in a, a sand thing there. And so I'd go collect them out of there and go smoke. Or if I'm walking down the street and somebody flips their butt out the, out the window, I'd run up there and pick it up and finish it off. I mean, that's, I mean you'd find ways. And so after I got saved, I knew it was wrong to smoke. I knew it was wrong, but I still smoked. And, and I, would, I would quit. You know, I'd, I'd do this thing where I'd smoke a couple and then I'd throw, you know, throw the pack away. I mean, you guys ever, I know you guys would never do that, but I'd throw the pack away. And then the next day I'm going, I, need, I, got, I can't do it. And so then I'd go in the bushes and I'd look for the, the pack I threw away. You know, and, and I'd pick it up and finish, the, you know, finish it off, you know. And I did that for two, three Four years after I became a Christian it was a seesaw thing, going back and forth, back and forth. Sometimes going for a few weeks, didn't do it, then I'd do it again. Does that, does that ring a bell with anybody, not necessarily about smoking, but about something else? And one day God said to me, I was praying, that's the, that's the danger of praying. One day I was praying and God said to me, I don't want you to smoke anymore. I never smoked again. And that was like 38 years ago. Never had another cigarette. Why? Because I am dead to them, and they're dead to me. And what happens is it doesn't matter what particular bondage that you are in, if you get a revelation of the cross, what you find out is you are dead to it, and it is dead to you. That's what Paul is saying here. In Galatians chapter 2, he said, I am crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What he's saying, I'm crucified with Christ. In other words, Paul, the Paul, whose his name really was Saul, the beast, the beast Saul who went around breathing out breaths and slaughters against the church of God, that beast died one day. I got a revelation of my death, that beast died and I'm a new man now. And now when I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. I live in a new dimension of life. I no longer, ye I no longer yield to these things because the power that was released to the cross has killed the beast in me. So in other words, I'm dead to my past. So sometimes, I don't know if you've ever had how many have ever had a problem with condemnation? Okay, three of us. Okay, that's good. I'm glad you guys are so withering. It's free. It's amazing. Okay, well, I have, I'll talk about myself. I have had a problem from condemnation because there's this voice. You do something wrong, and this voice says, you know, God's done with you. He has had it with you. You have done this before, and now you've done it again. There is no hope for you. God is finished with you. But I say, wait a second. I'm dead to that. And if I can get a revelation of that, the power of the cross begins to defeat these things in my life. And so first of all, I have to get a revelation. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, I'm almost done. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, it says to be carnally minded is death. You know the word carnal, the Spanish word for carnal, does anybody know what it is? It's meat, right. But the actual word. Does anybody know? I had it written down here. I can't find it. I think it's carne. You guys should know that. You speak Spanish. Speak up. Help me out. I'm dying up here. And you're sitting there. I'm fading fast. Carne. Carne. Thank you. Carne. She looked it up. So that's where we get our word carnal. So that means if you're carnally minded, you're a meathead. 
It goes along with the beast sermon. So look at your neighbor and say, you're not a meathead, are you? So to be carnally minded, to carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded, so this is where it starts, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So in other words, when I start thinking that, yeah, I did that, but that's not who I am. Who I am is this over here. This is who I am. I did that, but that's not who I am. This is who I am over here. And I refuse to accept an identity that I am this. When I'm not that, I am this. Because this is who God says I am. And so when I think that way, I'm thinking spiritually minded. Because I'm thinking the thoughts of God. So as I conclude, and the worship team comes up here. The second thing, the first thing is get a revelation of the cross. What happened at the cross. The second thing here is to learn to walk in the spirit. Learn to walk in the spirit. So... It says over here in, verse, in Galatians chapter 5, in verse 14, it says this, For all the laws fulfilled even in this, thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. Here's the interesting thing is that you never see the beast more evident than in relationships. How many of that's true? I mean, you can take a guy, I remember one time, you know, I had this, this couple that came to church. They were the sweetest, wonderful people it just seems so, man, they seem so holy. They, they actually made me feel bad about myself. Do you know people like that? I mean, I felt like, I don't even know if I'm going to make it to heaven. I don't know if I'm saved even. I mean, you are so holy. And so they said to me one day, they said, we're having some family problems. Could you, could you meet with us? I said, sure. I mean, I'm not a good counselor, but I can listen and give some advice. And so I sat down with them. Holy smokes. You know, usually when people come, to, they want to talk to you. They've usually exhausted every possible avenue of resolving this. They're so mad and angry, it's beyond words, and they're at their wit's end. And they go, can we meet with you? Sure. So all of a sudden, just little things, like somebody would say something, they say, ah, and then this oh, flip out. Finally, the one lady got up who I thought was so holy, so spiritual. She got up and threw a string of cuss words that were the worst you have ever heard. I couldn't even, I couldn't even imply what they were, what they, what, what they were. And she stormed out of the room, and I'm sitting there going, "What a wow!" And I really, this song wanted to come to me. There's a sweet, sweet spirit. You know what we found out? The beast is alive and well. Right? See, he says, if you bite and devour one another, you bite and devour one another. Doesn't that sound like a beast-like thing? You know, one time years ago, I was reading through the book of Acts as I close. And... Uh, this, uh, there's a place where Stephen was preaching. He comes to the end of his sermon. He goes, you stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart and mind, you always resist the Holy Ghost. Which of your fathers have you not killed? And you killed Jesus. He's just laying into them. And it says they gnashed on him with their teeth. And I thought, I wonder what that looked like. I don't know. What do you guys think that would look like? So this is what I did. I did it across. I told everybody, just, just act that out right now. Just gnash. Just gnash. Not, not you. You, I, you guys are way too sophisticated. This is another group of people. I said, just gnash. So I looked around the room, and they're all going, rah, rah, rah. <laughs> The beast. So I'm not saying anything. Somebody goes, well, you're talking about the beast. I'm not saying anything that anybody in this room doesn't know about. We all know about it. I know about it. Well, I'll use myself. I know about it. My wife knows about it because she lives with me. But the point is, is that there's a way that the beast in me can die. So I can be, a, in a sense, an animal skin that contains God's new wine. Amen? 
Let's all stand together. Do you have a song we could sing?
lift our hand one time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. We just thank you right now. We praise you, God. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise right now, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Is there anybody here you have like um, acid reflux or esophagus problem? Like right here, you have a problem with acid reflux or something like that right in here. Is anybody here like that? You do? Is anybody else have that? You do? Anybody else have that? You do right over here? Praise God. Well, let's just, somebody around that person, just lay your hand upon them right now. Because God just told me right right now that he is healing that. He's, he's healing that right now in you. He's healing that, that condition in your body right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, we just take authority over it. And we speak healing to your body right now. We command this acid reflux or whatever this is right now to, to stop right now. And for that part of your body to function normally way God and created it to function in Jesus name hallelujah we thank you God for it hallelujah does anybody here have you have problems with your hips anybody here you have problems with your hips you have problems with your hips you have okay you're, you're standing by I want you just to lay your hands on that person right now and let's just pray who else right here this lady right here Anna yes and then that guy back there okay we got everybody anybody else got problems with your hips that we didn't get Hallelujah. Right now, Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command these hips to go into place. Lord, we just pray, if they're wore out, Lord, we just pray, God, that you give new hips, new joints right now in Jesus' name. And I just command there to be an alignment in your body right now in the name of Jesus. Body go into alignment in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. We just thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's just thank him right now. We just, hallelujah. Just thank you, Lord, right now. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. I'm just like seeing a few things here. There's somebody here that's really going, you're really, really going through it. I mean, you're, I mean, we could probably all say, well, that's me or whatever, because we go through stuff. But I mean, there's somebody here that's really, really going through it. And I don't know, this might be a hard one to, to say that's me, but let's just pray. Let's bow our heads just for a moment. If, if that's you, you say, man, I'm really going through this. Is, I'm in a crisis situation right now. If that's you, just put your hand up so I can see it. So I'll pray for you. God bless you. Anybody else? You're really going through it. God bless you. Anybody else? You're really, really going through it. Anybody else? There seems like there's somebody else. See those two hands. Anybody else? Okay, you. thank you for that hand, three of you. Praise God. Hallelujah. I, I think this, that the only reason God shows, it, shows a person, shows me that, is because he is going to step into that situation, and he is going to do something powerful in your life. And I just, right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, you showed me this, and I just speak right now, a miracle turnaround in this situation. I come against every demonic force that would try to bring you down right now, every dark cloud that's coming into your life right now. I speak to those clouds. I speak to that storm right now. Command it to go in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Command there to be a release right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I just see God stepping, Jesus stepping down in the middle of that situation. Hallelujah. And speaking peace, and speaking redemption, and speaking release right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Sure. Okay, okay. Transparency time. If you guys could close your eyes, it would help me not be so, so nervous. Because I got to say this. I got to say this. I got to say this. You guys, when Pastor Steve was speaking, I leaned over to our oldest son. <laughs> and I said, ah, <coughs> that was us. And he know, and you know it. Okay, so it wasn't the exact couple that he was talking about. But Rick and I have been there. 
three years ago when we came to this house, this house, we were a mess. Our marriage was a mess because we were going forward and somebody didn't like it. It was the beast. It was the enemy. We all know that. But boy, in it, in it, whew, in it, okay? I have to say this. We, we, it was bad. <laughs> I mean, I was breaking water bottles over my husband. <sighs> Jesus. I was breaking young living water bottles over my husband. You know, I was mad, and so was he. We were so sick of what the enemy has done in our life. There was anger from the pit of hell in both of us. We love Jesus. I've always loved Jesus. I've never not known Jesus. I was raised with Jesus. Going to church and finding out about Jesus. Trying to walk that out. Got saved when I was 10. Rededicated my life to the Lord when I was 20. Got filled with the Holy Spirit when I was 30. It's been a tough road though, you guys. And many of you, you might be on a tough road. I got a dear old godly mentor who says, you know, the real truth is you're either going into it or you're coming out of it. And, and, and it's, a, it's a positive statement, but it's true, you guys. You're either on the mountaintop or you're not or you're in between. But wherever you're at, God, there's hope for your marriages. I believe there's an anointing on marriages going forward today. Because sometimes when you serve Jesus, it gets ugly. And there's such a stigma on having this perfect look in life, in, in, in life, in our culture. There's such, a, there's such a, a lie that it has to look like everything's all so flowery and pretty. And, oh, we have money in the bank. We got money in the savings. And we're going on a trip. Praise God. We got kids. Everybody's serving the Lord. Our grandkids are awesome. They're all serving God. Uh, it's not really that way for most people, I don't think. That's a lie in our culture. That's a lie. It's just a lie from the enemy. I, I don't know if it starts with the soap operas. I don't know. I don't know. But it's not true, you guys. Life is, life is hard, but God is good. And when we got to this house, I'm telling you. Sorry, I'm telling you. These guys scraped us off the ground. We were separated. My, my husband was with my parents. My kids were struggling because we were struggling. They're like, if this is God, no, thank you. But I just got to call out Dave. I don't even know if he's here. You know, Dave Drexler, he met with us, and he met with us, and he kept meeting with us, and he sat through the garbage and the and the, the valley he sat through it he listened to us just rage <laughs> and he's like God is good God is good God is good God's doing something good hold on hang on come on you're gonna do this you guys okay sit down you guys let's, let's start, start dreaming why did you guys get married what are you doing let, where's your goals? What do you want to do? What makes you happy? Go back to the place where you last felt happiness. I couldn't, I couldn't remember. I'm telling you, I couldn't remember. It was so far back, you guys. It was so far back. It was so far back. 28 years, 27 years of marriage. It was so far back. But all I could think of is, you know, and my kids would know this. Rick knows this. But it's like, you know what? It was on the water. It was in a boat. It was watching the 4th of July, you know. It was, it was so far back. <laughs> but God is so good, you guys. This, this, these, yeah, they, they, they helped us. God, and, and it just, we got a band together, you guys. Nobody's life is perfect. It's a lie. Nobody's life is easy. It's a lie. But we all got a common goal. Amen. It's Christ. It's Christ. It's Christ. He did it all. He paid it all. You heard it again today. The target. You guys, what's the target? The target is Jesus. It's always been Jesus. We're going to hit the mark. Just keep going. There's anointing here for marriages. If you have a marriage in this house today that's struggling, that's not. You just want a blessing. You just want a prayer. Come. 
come. Let the, let the leadership, the elders, let them, let them pray for you guys. This is going to rock your world. There's an anointing here. It's about God. It's not about me. It's not about, it's about what God wants to do in your heart personally, in your spouse, in your marriage, in your family, in your generations to come. This is about Jesus. Woo. takes courage and I believe that I believe what she's saying is true if there's issues in your marriage I'm going to dismiss the service but I want you to come forward if you need prayer if you, if you have issues with your marriage issues uh, in your marriage life I want you to come forward and I want these people to pray for you and uh, but if you want to hang around that's fine but we're going to let you go uh, there's some refreshments in the back God bless you all. If you do need prayer for your marriage, please come forward right now. If you just want your marriage blessed, please come forward right now. God bless you all. You're free to go.